we are in the middle of a series called To Save a Family, and we've spent um, a, a, a past, what, four weeks studying um, ways that we can be better family members. And we've talked about all kinds of different ways, we, and I'm not going to go through them again this morning, because today, and you know, Jim called me this week and said, hey, can, when can we t- talk to you guys? And uh, I don't just say like, hey, come this first week and do it. I pray about that, and I say, you know, God, when do you want us to share this? And what I believe that Jim uh, coming this morning and sharing with us is a testimony, not just to what his kids did, um, or what God even did through his kids, but through what faithfulness looks like. What it looks like to be faithful. And, and uh, today we're going to talk about this idea that strong families live lives of faith. But I want you to know that faithfulness comes at all seasons of life, at all times of life. And it comes when things are going great, you're called to be faithful. And it comes when things are going really, really poorly, you're called to be faithful. And there are times where we are so tempted to just stop, to not, to not have faith. Right? I mean, there are times in your life where you will come to the edge of a a, a precipice, you will come to the edge of a cliff, you will come to this point, and you will say, I can't go on. I just can't. I want to tell you something about that place. That's a place that's full of fear and, and trepidation and trembling and tears and concerns and you're inside out and you're embarrassed because people see you like you don't want to be seen and you go, I'm here. I can't go on. I want to tell you something today and my prayer for you is in our time in the word today, you're going to understand that that is the very time that we step forward in faith. Because faith in the good times, whenever the road's right there and it's easy, that, that's, that's faith, but it's not like, it, it's, it's different when you come to that place. So whenever Jim and Connie came and said, can we share this? I, my heart was like, well, where's the right spot, Lord? And God's like, are you listening to the story of faithfulness? I hope you heard a story of faithfulness in that. Now, all of you should have gotten one of those markers. This is kind of going to be the... Um, you know, the overarching theme for the whole series. But, and so it's a Bible marker. It's a spe- I'm going to ask you to stick that. If we can push that next one, I'm going to ask you to stick that in Hebrews 11. Now, if you don't have a Bible this morning, you can grab one of them on the end of the chairs. I want every person to have a Bible. And I want you to take that bookmark, and it's on page 834 if you use one of our Bibles. And I want you to stick that in there. We're going to come back to that later. And I want you to be able to flip open quickly when we get to that place and talk about that text, Okay. So go ahead and take that Bible marker and throw it in there on Hebrews 11, and, uh, and we'll, we'll jump in there in a few minutes. While you're doing that, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, there, there's some times in life where we're given an opportunity to demonstrate faith, right? And, I, and we've even talked about that uh, with what happened with his kids this year. I think that there are some, uh, there's one way that for me, the idea of what faith looks like became very clear. And I don't know if any of you have ever been repelling. How many, been, how many people have been repelling before? Good. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, you do it almost for a living, right? So that's hardly. Okay. But still, there's, you know, your first time, right? I want to tell you a story about the first time we went repelling. I don't know if you've ever been repelling or not, but let's go ahead and pull up. I got some pictures this morning. I went repelling with, I went out to a youth camp and went repelling um, for the first time. When you get, you know, you climb up this mountain and when you get to the top of this mountain, and you would think, you know, this is all fun. It is fun. You know, you're extreme. We're going to be extreme sports, right? But when you get to the top of the mountain, the first thing that you see are a bunch of people sitting on a rock and ropes everywhere, 
right? Ropes everywhere. Now, you can't see in this picture, but there's a lot of, no, go back, don't go ahead yet. There's a lot of duct tape and stuff too. Like you'll see like ropes with duct tape around a tree, you know? You'll see this rope hung over here and over there and stuff. And so go ahead and push that next one. So this is a picture of Chris and I up there once we get to the top. And we're pretty happy, you know? We're like, this is cool. We're rock climbing, you know? And it's a few years ago. So you might go, you guys look different, right? So, but we're up there, and I want to show you, push that next one, we'll see what the next picture is here. So, this is the view. By the way, there's a duct tape. Look at the duct tape, right? So, there's the view, and you're like, this is glorious, and we're extreme, you know? And this is going to be great. It sounds a good idea. This is a great idea. And then the, um, the gentleman, you know, you've got your harness, you've got your helmet. Look at that helmet, seriously. It's like, it's like the uh, Family BC, Right? It's like a plastic lid with a little, there's no way that's going to save you. By the way, did I mention that this was a 180-foot first rappelling descent for us? 180 feet. I want you to think about going to downtown St. Louis. I worked in a 14-story building. This is an 18-story building that God made and that we decided to use some duct tape and rope and hang ourselves off the side of. All right. So now you're starting to get the idea of what kind of faith we're talking about. Now, I'll tell you something. Here's what happens. We went repelling, and this was a youth trip. And the coolest thing about it was this, that these guys were believers in Jesus. And so our guide took an opportunity for a teaching moment. And he said, I want to teach you something about faith. Go ahead and push that next one. And as he tied us in to our harness... You know, if you go repelling, there's two things that you got going on. The first thing you got is you got this little kind of a metal thing where the rope goes through, and you control that with your brake, right? And so you kind of go down like this. That's how you repel, right? But that one's not that important because, you know, this one you're in charge of. You're supposed to. But this right here, what he's holding, is this man that I've never met before in my life. Never met him before. Tied this on my wife and I at 180 feet. He said, I want to tell you something about faith. He said, I'm tying, uh, I don't know what he called it, half bowling, Nelson, full something, square, I don't know what he called it, some kind of crazy knot that he was tying while he was talking to us. He was looking at us, and yeah, I'm tying this knot, right? And we're looking at it, we're like, yeah, you're tying that knot. And he tied that knot, and he held it in his hand. That's our safety line. This is the one that if we don't know what we're doing, this thing saves our life. And when he got done tying a knot, he said, you're going to have to have faith that I know what I'm doing. I heard someone just this week say this about repelling. The person at the top of the mountain says this, in the next 10 minutes, I'm in charge of your life. You literally hang on their, who they are, their giftedness, their skills, their knowledge, all those ropes tied around trees. That's what you hang on to. And then you look back, and I don't know if we got another picture here. Let's see what's next. Yeah, and you look back. Now, these folks here might already go over, but you have to walk back. Now, this is kind of like going down the side of a really bad hill, so this isn't bad yet. You're going down, but you get out to the edge. You remember this, don't you, Brittany Anders? You get out to the edge, and you look down, and they say, just fall over the edge. What? You just, there is, you're going, can I just clamber? Have you ever climbed off something really tall like your roof when the ladder was a little too short and you're hanging there, you're like doing this thing, you know? That's what you feel like. I'm just going to ease down. They're like, no, there's only one way to do it. You just got to drop back and let that rope catch your weight. 
That's what that man said to me at 180 feet. Now, I want to tell you there's a lot of emotions going on here because, first of all, it's my life. And secondly, it's the life of my beloved bride. And the third is that the kids are back home with someone more responsible than this. And so we, le- we went down there, and I'm going to tell you, there was a moment, and I didn't even know it at the time, where I just leaned back. And I said a prayer, God, you got this. And I leaned back, and I, whoa, and it caught me. And then the whole ride was just, woo, woo. You know, I'll tell you how much fun it was. I got to the bottom, and I ran back to the top. How crazy is that? And the second time, I was trying to do big jumps, right? Check this out. I want to show you one more vantage point of this because I want you to get the image of faith. Right here is the moment of decision. We actually have this young man and young woman with us this morning. I didn't plan this at all. But this is the moment. I was standing at the bottom and I wanted to catch the moment when they made a decision to trust in his abilities as a knot tire, to trust in his skills and knowledge. And right here, push it next slide. This is how simple it is. See him? Did you see what happened? They went from this to that. I can't even do that right here this morning before you. They went from standing on top of the mountain to just dropping back off the edge. That is a moment of faith. And that is where you and I are called to live our lives in Jesus Christ. That's where we live our lives. We're going to get into the word, and as we do, we're going to pray this morning that God would reveal himself to us in every way. Join me in prayer if you would. Father God, this morning we come humbly into your word. We know it has the very words of life for us. We know that your gospel is the gospel of salvation for us. And today, Father God, we seek your knowledge, your face, your will, your purpose. We seek you. Teach us in this time today, Father, whatever you will. And our prayer is that we become more like your son and our savior Jesus in this next few minutes. We ask these things in his holy name. In his holy name, amen. So we're gonna go through here and we're gonna talk about these moments of faith. Go ahead and push that next slide here. And, and uh, here, here's something I wanna just throw out there right now, right? We're gonna roll through 15 points of faith. And um, as, you know, as the, uh, the material we were preparing this week um, talks about, this is a terrible way to do this, but we're gonna do it because I want you to understand, if you, don't, if you think that 15 points on faith is a lot, I want you to go to BibleGateway.com and I want you to put faith in the search box and hit search and look at all of the returns from scripture on faith, on faith, on faith. It's a theme throughout the First Testament and the New Testament. But today we're going to roll, we're going to go kind of quickly here, so bear with me. We're going to go through 15 points on faith. By the way, the reason I give you a Bible marker is because if you grabbed an engagement sheet also, you're going to probably want to put that on top of your Bible if you want to take notes, right? Because we're going to, it's kind of hard to write notes when you're inside your Bible. So, you know, you can throw it on top and take notes. Here we go. We're going to jump right in here. The first thing we talked about last week is this, that with faith, with faith, you get forgiven. This is the first thing. I, I want to spend just a second here and talk about your, your forgiveness, right? We say this, forgiveness. Forgiveness is a state of being. It's who we are. And last week, if you missed it, we talked about what it looks like to be forgiven. Forgiven. And, and not just to be forgiven one time, but you're forgiven for everything. You're forgiven and you live in that place 
if you know Jesus is your Savior, you live in that place of forgiveness. It's a state of being. Check this out. We're going to pull up Acts 10, 43 here. I want to read it with you. Look at what the word says. It says, all the prophets testify about him, Jesus, that everyone, or you can say Messiah, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins in his name. I want you to hear what it says. Everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed son of God, receives forgiveness of sins in his name. That's you and me. And so the first thing that we get when we have faith is we get forgiveness, this state of being with God. And it's key. And, you know, we talked about for one week, there's no way we can process the truth of that in one week. I would invite you to continue that conversation of what it looks like to forgive and be forgiven. The second thing is this. With faith, we get a new life, a brand new life in faith right? And I'm going to go ahead and pull up the scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and it reads like this. Therefore, and many of you know this verse, right? Some people say this is a life verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's Messiah, the anointed, Jesus, the Holy One of God, if you are in him, he is a new creation. The old person is dead, and the new one has come. That's what the word says about this. You talk about, well, how do I get forgiven, or, you know, how, how do I, we're clinging to the old, dead person that we aren't anymore, if we don't live in this forgiveness. So faithfulness, we get a new life, a new life. Now, you know, for, so for many of us, we think, well, that's a crazy thought. What's a new life look like, right? But one of the kind of funny things that a lot of us understand is um, video games these days, right? It's a common thing. Why? Because if you just have one chance to do it, you screw it up. And so, hey, there's the mushroom. And you run over there and you're like, glink. And you get what? A new life. Yeah. John's great with cheat codes. He's like, I got 99 lives, you know, and you just play forever on 99 lives. Listen, in faith, we have new life, new life in Christ. We're a brand new person, and I hope that you get that this morning, that this is a gift of faith, is new life in Christ. The next one we're going to move on to here is you also get... A new way of seeing. A new way of seeing. And I'm going to share John 9.25. So and this is like new eyes, right? But we're going to share two stories from you, with you from Scripture. One from the First Testament, one from the New Testament. This is the New Testament story about what it looks like to be able to see for the first time in your life. If you don't see it, that makes sense. You know, I've had friends of mine say, I don't see it. I know. Because you only get new eyes with Jesus. You only get new eyes when you have faith in him. But when you have faith in Jesus, listen to this response. This was the healing of a man. And, and after he runs back to town, and they're asking him, who is this Jesus guy? And what's talking about? Listen to what the man says about his savior, his Lord, and his master, who he's never seen with his own eyes. He says this, whether he is a sinner or not, as Jesus, I don't know. One thing I know, this man says, is that once I was blind, but now I see. Once I couldn't see, but now I can. Well, well explain your faith to me. I, this is Jesus guy. And I couldn't see before, and now I can see, is his testimony. 
And if you've ever met a believer in Jesus and you're not a believer, you'll share that frustration. Yeah, yeah, but tell me. So it was a decision. You, you know, you, what'd you do? You did something. It was, uh, you know, you, you needed, uh, you go, no, Jesus saved me and gave me new eyes. And I see things. I see things. You know, some of you who are new believers in Jesus, you come up and you're like, I see so much stuff now. It's everywhere. How did I miss this? And I go, you couldn't see it yet. But with Jesus, we get new eyes. Faith gives us a new way of seeing. The second scripture I want to share with you is from the First Testament, so we don't think this is a new thing, right? And Naaman stands before the man of God. Now, Naaman was an, uh, was a, um, an unbeliever. is probably a fair thing to say. He came because he heard that there was this guy who could do great works in God's name, and he shows up there, and he wants to be healed, Right? And, and what, the, what the man of God says here is he says, go and wash in the pool seven times. And what the word shares, and if you want to look it up, it's in, it's in the second book of Kings, right around chapter five. But what he shares is that when Naaman left, he was mad because he didn't get his healing instantaneously. He was aggravated. He had to do anything else. Be faithful in any way to believe he could be saved. And so then this is where we get the story, and it says this, when Naaman came back after being healed and he stood before the man of God, he said, now I know there is no God except, uh, in all the world, except the God of Israel. This is Yeshua. This is the one who is going to send the anointed to save us. And so his confession became, I couldn't see it before, but now I see to his faith. He got a new way of seeing life. The next thing you get is a new set of values. You know, many times we talk about, well, what, what do you believe? What's important to you, you know? And, and uh, in faith, you get a whole new set of values, right? And we know these values well here at Family Bible Church. We're, we're, we're uh, seeking to live them out in a tangible way. We're going to pull up Matthew chapter um, 22. Read it with me here. Jesus replied, because said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This should sound familiar to you. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. So, what does this mean? These become the values, right? You know, you think about a train running down the tracks, these become the left and the right track of what's going to guide everything that you do as a follower of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, and you are set to go. And you follow his way. This is a value change in your life. Before God, what were your values? It was like, I just kind of go that way or go this way, do whatever I wanted. And God says, no. Jesus says, in me, these are the things you'll do. So you get a new set of values. The fifth thing we have here is you get a new sense of purpose. I want to real quick run through here. You're forgiven. You get a new life. You get a new way of seeing. You get a new set of values. The fifth is this. You get a new sense of purpose for your life. You are on a mission from God. God don't recruit people to set the bench. Do you know that? Do you know that God don't recruit people to sit in the stands and cheer on the team? He puts us on the field. He gives us a purpose in our life. 
How many people are completely frustrated and disappointed in Christianity or disappointed in Christians when they're not on the field playing the game? We stand back and we go, oh, this, is gonna, this is not going to go well. Why, why aren't you part of the solution? We get a new sense of purpose. Hear the word with me in Paul's letter to Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 10. This is the way it reads. For we are God's workmanship. Listen to what the word says to us this morning. Created in Christ Jesus, this is the anointed Messiah, to do good works, listen, for which God prepared us in advance to do. There's a great question that gets asked a lot. If I don't do it, will it get done? I don't know the answer to that question. Because there's part of me that says, you know, God don't need us. He can do it with somebody else. But I wonder if there's part of this that God says, I saved you. I've laid out a path for you. And you just won't obey. I wonder if there's things that go undone because we are not willing to believe this, that we were created in Jesus to do good works and to do things that God prepared in advance for you and me to do. That's somebody else's business. It's not, it's not mine. Pray on that a little bit. I'll share another verse with you from the Gospel of Matthew again, chapter 4, verse 30, verse 19 here. Jesus said this, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, and I know we know this verse really well, but here's what we want to talk about this morning. What you get in faith is a new sense of purpose because these men were fishermen, right? And so we would go like, that's cool, I got Jesus and now life as usual. And God says, no, I got a purpose for you guys. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I'll make you fishers of men. Last night we were talking before the silver ring thing. We were here loading in. It was crazy. If you came out, it was crazy. And um, Adam, the, the young man who spoke last night from the word of God, he just shared with me. And he said, and, and, and Carrie told me out and said, this is, the, you know, I, I didn't really, I was trying to keep the, on the download about being a pastor, not because I'm embarrassed, because it just changes everybody's conversation after that, you know? And, uh, and so I was really trying to, but once he found out, he's like, oh no, man, you're going to be in the room. And I'm like, are you kidding me? God don't use professionals. He uses amateurs. Are you kidding me? Do you even know who I am? <laughs> this is ridiculous. And you know, Adam came up here last night and he shared the gospel of Jesus and people gave their lives to Christ. For a man who would say, I'm not even sure I can do this tonight. Faith gives us a new purpose in life. If you're following Jesus, he makes us fishers of men. I hope you see that. Number six here, you get a supernatural guide for life, a supernatural guide for life. Look at John, the gospel of John, chapter 16, 13 with me. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Do you ever wish you knew what was next in your life? We talk a lot here about the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, do, we, do we understand that in Jesus Christ, we've been given a present, real um, guide from God? 
Are we listening for that in our life? And are we being obedient? So we have a supernatural guide for the things that God is calling us to do. Number seven, you get set free from sin in faith. You are set free from sin in faith. I want you to hear Romans with me. The book of Romans chapter 6, 18 says this, you have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. Now this is uh, Paul who was formerly Saul before he met Jesus on Damascus Road, right? Or he, it was Damascus, right? Where he's knocked off his, uh, his horse. And he says, you've been set free from your sin and you are now a slave to righteousness. Now this might sound like biblical, you know, well, set free from sin, now I'm a slave. Listen, the word of God says that before you knew Jesus, you couldn't choose right from wrong if you wanted to. One of the things that's so hard to have a conversation with folks who don't yet know Jesus about is good people. Well, they're good people, right? Well, what's your grading scale? Are you talking about you and me, good people? Because yeah, there's a lot of people better than me. Are you talking about the holy God of all creation who breathed everything into existence and who we have completely screwed up everything he had planned for us? If you talk about that scale, I'm not sure there's one good person to be found. So in this place of a hopelessness to find right from wrong in Jesus, we are set free from sin and then for the first time can see what we're able to choose, right? We're able to choose. So you're set free from being a slave to sin and you can be righteous through faith. Number eight, we're going to pick it up a little bit here. You get the potential for better health. I have a few articles this morning. I was, I was digging around on the... Um, on the internet and looking. And if you don't believe me, just do a Google search for like faith and health, right? There are people who are studying this stuff all the time. But there was a study that was done by Thomas Oxman at Dartmouth Medical University in New Hampshire. And he took 232 patients that were over 55 years of age and they had open heart surgery. And he studied them after the surgery to see what happened. And as a result of their faith, now hear what this says, as a result of their faith, they lived three times longer than people who had no faith. There's a potential for longer health. I want you to understand something, that, that, that there was something about being in the community and having support, that was true, but they also looked at people who had support in other ways. There was something, what this doctor actually says, is there was something about knowing God personally that gave them a leg up on everyone else in the study and they lived longer. Faith can make you more healthy. That's kind of practical, right? To, and and I, I just want to say it again. It's, it's interesting to me that it wasn't religious affiliation. They actually did a study, another study I read about, where they, they showed people who went to church all the time but didn't have faith, and they didn't see the same results. It was believing that helped them live. Number eight, you get a potential for longer life. And I'm going to share two things with you here on this. Another is an article. And this one just came out. This, this study just came out. And it says, here's the title. You can check it out on the internet. It says, having faith helps patients live longer. Oh, I just gave you the wrong stats. <laughs> that was from this. The, um, that they live three times longer. What was the other one about the faith? Oh, brother. What are we doing here? It was in there. Look it up. You know what I mean? It was, it was there. Ask me for the link. I'll send you the link, okay? But, but he, he did this study where um, they lived longer because of their faith. 
So we already covered that. So check this out. I'm going to show you scripture about this. Because you're like, well, okay, we're here and we're in church. We're not in science school. Check it out. Listen, this is in the, the First Testament. It says this. By the way, if you want to know where this is at, you can write these down, look them up later. Don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Deuteronomy 32, verses 46 and 47 reads like this. Moses said to them, take to heart, this is at the very end of Exodus, take to heart all the words that I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. Right, so take these things to heart. Push that next slide for me. They are not just idle words for you, but they are your life. And by them you will live long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. Moses sat at that mountain and he gave his dissertation because he wasn't going. And he said, everything that I've commanded you, take to heart because they will help you live long in the land that God has called you to possess, the promised land. So not only do we have better health, but we have longer life through faith, faith in God. Number 10, check it out. You get to be part of God's extended family. Now this is really cool because here at Family Bible Church, we're like, hey, you know, it's Family Bible Church and we love families. We love families, like, you know, mom, dad, kids, we love families. Uh, we also love God's family, really do, here and other places. We love God's family. And we get to be part of God's family through faith. Look at Galatians 6.10 with me. Oh, what happened? We didn't get Galatians 6.10. All right, well, let's look it up right quick. I'll flip around and find it here. I thought I had it in there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it says this, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom indulgently. Oh, this isn't it, though. Yeah, this is the next slide. That's not, is that Galatians? See? It's not the right one. All right, let's just go ahead. Go back one more. Go back one more. So here's what I want you to know, being in the family of God. All right. So you're in God's family. You can look it up. Here's the verse. Write this down. Look it up. This will be your homework since I don't have it here. It's, um, um. You like the awkward silence? That was good, wasn't it? Galatians 6.10. I'm just seeing if you're even awake anymore. You're like, did something happen? Did somebody die? Galatians 6.10. All right, so look that up later if you want to. You are adopted into God's family. You are heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God, right? So here's what we get in the family of God. This is what, this is what happens in God's family. I want you to see. First is that we serve one another, right? So go ahead and push it. We'll read these verses quickly here. So it says, um, this is Paul, and he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So we're called to serve one another in God's family. That means here and other places, we serve the family of God. Go ahead, number two here. Second thing that happens in God's family is we honor one another, right? We honor one another, and here's a scripture for that. Go ahead and pull that up. This is in uh, Romans 12.10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and honor one another above yourselves. So this is what happens in the family of God is we honor others more than we honor ourselves, right? The third thing that happens, and I'm getting to something really key here that you're going to want to talk about in a minute here. So the third is that we instruct one another. And I think that sometimes we believe that we have to have some special high holy teacher. What God says is that if you are in his family through his son Jesus, you can teach one another. We have something happening at Family Bible Church. Here's the verse for it. Paul's letter to Rome, 15 14 says this, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves, that's us, are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct 
one another. This is a team event. And so if you're in the family of God, you can instruct one another. And then the last thing we get to do in the family of God is greet each other with a holy kiss. And so I want to talk to you about the exit strategy today. I'm going to go to the back, and we're going to all kiss as you leave. I'm kidding. That's in the Bible, by the way. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Have you ever had anyone greet you with a holy kiss? Awkward. You know what I'm saying? All right. It's in there. Let's move on. So, so, so if, if, uh, if that wasn't enough, that's 10. We're going to go through the, net, the last five here, right? In faith, you get God's provision. I hope you're feeling overwhelmed by faith because this is such a big topic in your life. You get God's provision. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 read like this. Honor the Lord your God with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will overflow with new wine. That in faith in God, if you live your life in faith, you get God's provision for you. And we've talked about this before. What that means is you lack nothing in Christ Jesus. You lack nothing. Material goods, uh, giftedness, anything else. God has put you right where you are to do what he's called you to do. You get God's provision. The 12th is this, and this is familiar to us. You get a new home in heaven, a new home in heaven. Look at John 14, 1 through 3 with me. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Don't uh, trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And here's his confession. If it were not so, I would have told you. Push that next one for me. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you can also be where I am. I want you to understand something about our Savior Jesus. He didn't abandon us here to die. He didn't abandon us here to die Jesus says, if you are mine, I am coming back, that you can be with me. If you know Jesus is your Savior, he's inviting you to come and be with him for eternity in heaven. And as surely as Jesus is Messiah, you and I will be there forever. Twelfth, or the thirteenth is this. You get a release from the fear of death. This is kind of tied in with the twelfth one, isn't it, right? You get a release from this fear of death. As a believer in Jesus, sometimes it's hard to relate to people who are still afraid to die because something changes when you know the creator of the universe. Something changes in who you are and the decisions you make. Listen to what the word says. Hebrews 2, 15 says this, since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus also shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy the one who holds the power of death. That is the devil. That means in the cross of Christ, The devil was defeated. And this is what it says, and free those who all their lives were held in a slavery to the fear of death. So in faith in Jesus, we have freedom, release from the fear of death. 14, don't don't drop off on me here because this is important. You are able to please God. Listen to what the word says. If you think you're just gonna do your best, you know, and God's gonna be cool with that. And without faith, It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. These are things that this week I stewed in my, got like kind of stewing in my soul, right? That not only do we believe in him, but that we are um, able to please God through faith. That God is happy when you're there and display faithfulness. And the last is this. 
you get the promise, and you know this promise well too, I hope you know this promise well, that you can never, ever, ever be separated from the love of God. That through faith, you're never separated from the love of God. Hear the scripture with me here. It says, for I am convinced, this is the Apostle Paul writing, that neither death nor life, not angels or demons, not the present or the future, I want you to hear these promises, not any power, not a height or a depth, nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He wrote that to Rome. And he said, there's nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And we have this promise in faith. Now, that's a lot, but I want to tell you, that's just like the tip of the iceberg about what the Word of God says about being faithful, being faith-filled. So here's the question for the day. How do you get faith? How do you get faith, right? Well, the first thing that I want you to know is that God gives us faith. We're going to pull up a verse here, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. I don't want you to think you earn your faith. You don't, you know, God isn't, isn't you know, pleased because he's pleased because you're faithful, but he's not, it's not what gets you there. This is what it says, because it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves. We didn't manifest it. The faith is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. And so even in our faithfulness, we start where we always start, church, and that's with God's gift to us. So here's the second thing. Then, after God has given us a gift of faith, we make a decision to believe. Joshua, I meant to bring up a plaque today with me. Joshua 2.15 says this, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you will get a chance to make that decision to follow Jesus, to put your faith in him. The third is this, like last week with forgiveness, you verbalize your faith. You verbalize your faith. Pull up Romans 10 for me, if you would. It says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. But there's something about saying the words like forgiveness, I forgive you. I hope some of you practiced that this week. There's something about saying the words that matters. And so you confess your faith. You verbalize your faith. And then the last thing we're talking about today is this. You live by faith. You live by faith. Look at uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians here. He says, we live simply, we live by faith and not by sight. That's who, what we do as believers in Jesus. This is where we live our lives. We have one more verse. Go ahead and see if that's up here too. Yeah, okay. So, so that's what we have. Now, we're talking about being a... Um, being a family and, and raising children, how do you give this to your children as well? And I want to share two thoughts with you, and then we're going to wrap up here in Hebrews 11. I promise we're really close. This is what it says. It says the first is that you talk about it with them. Remember Deuteronomy 6, 7, right? It says, teach your children, right? I mean, uh, uh, Lord your God, the Lord is one. And it says, talk about with your children all the time. And so we talk about it with our children, our faith. We verbalize our faith. Whenever your kids see you struggling with something and you say, well, yeah, but we trust Jesus here. That's what we do. And then the second thing is this, and this is so powerful, I think, is you go out and you serve with your kids somewhere. If your faith is working itself out, you know, in your behavior, in your life choices, invite your children to join you so they can witness your faith. So they can see you doing it. This could be in the church. It could be in the community. It could be doing load-in. It could be doing community love. It could be doing a meal for somebody who's shut in. It could be a whole bunch of stuff. But invite them to come along with you and see you being 
faithful. Remember those impressions we talked about that we leave on our children. Okay, go ahead and flip your Bibles open now to Hebrews 11. We're just going to read a few verses and then we're going to wrap up here. Because I want you to hear the story. Now, some of you know Hebrews 11, but I just want you to hear it as a narrative right now, 11 through 22. I'm just going to read it quickly. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. That means that Abraham believed that God could do it. And so from this one man, and he, who was as good as dead, by the way, uh, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. All the people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them at a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth, that they didn't belong here. There was an eternal purpose to their lives. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return there. But instead, they were longing for the better country, the heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed when he is called their God because he has gone ahead and prepared a city for them. By faith, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, and he received the promises about the sacrifice was his, uh, of his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did indeed receive Isaac back from that death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons worshipped, uh, and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And then by faith, Joseph, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. And it goes on and on. I want you to see that it wasn't the faith of one person, but it was generational faith handed down that God was faithful to the generations. So, Hebrews 1.11, or 1.1, because this is about you and me today. Now, this is a definition of faith. It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. That means this is how they were saved. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command and that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better service or sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he was, did not experience death and he could not be found because God had taken him away. Because before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it would be impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. My question for you today is this. Do you have faith? Do you have faith that God can transform your life. I know for me, when I stood on that rock at a very trying time and I leaned back, I was terrified. God has proven faithful. I hope the same is true for you. Today I'm going to ask you to pray with me and I'm going to ask you to repeat three sentences with me. And I'm going to ask you to repeat these sentences even if 
you say, I've already accepted Jesus, then there's no problem for you. But repeat them for the sake of everyone else in the room. Repeat these if you're able today. I'm going to invite you to pray with me and repeat the sentences. Father God, I need you to repeat with me in one second. Okay, I'm going to say the sentence and you repeat it. Today, I'm expressing faith in Christ. Today, I'm expressing faith in Christ. I admit that he is the Lord and I am not. I admit that he is the Lord and I am not. And I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I invite Jesus to be mine. And I invite Jesus to be mine. Father God, for every heart that prayed the prayer today, I pray that you would give them faith for a lifetime. That in their confidence in you, this movement that you started could not be stopped. And that we would be obedient in faith for all eternity. We pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come back up and lead us in worship. I'm going to ask the same thing I asked last week. If, if today you prayed that prayer, there's a spot on there you can check that box that said, I prayed the prayer of faith today. And it's not magic, but it's a step along the road with Jesus. I'd ask you to check that box if you prayed that prayer with me today. And, and uh, I just long so much to see us all free to serve God as he's called us to.